You are listening to the Mom and Dad Podcast. A podcast about balance, growth, and navigating through your 20s and 30s. We're back. We're back. Welcome back to the Mom and Dad Podcast. I have to welcome everyone every time to the Mom and Dad Podcast. We want you to feel welcome. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is our our little our little community community hub made up of some friends and some family. Brother-in-law and <laughs> yeah. your mom. You know, and that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. You know what? We have fun doing this regardless of who's listening. But no, we, genuinely we do. We enjoy knowing that people listen. So. Yeah, we whenever I receive a text and I've received texts from friends being like, I listened to your podcast. And we're like, the whole thing? <laughs> the whole thing? You like it? Yeah, we did. Oh, wow. Yeah, it just, it just, um, I don't know, it means a lot. It's, yeah. a, it's the cherry on top. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. So we appreciate those. Just let's move them to some reviews, you know? Anyway, we really appreciate um, getting feedback and hearing that you're listening and... We like it. It warms our hearts. Warms our hearts as we sit in this cold basement surrounded by cardboard boxes and unassembled furniture. Yeah. Yeah. It's looking rough down here right now, but we're we're getting through. It's not the most inspiring to look at. No. Speaking of environment, which is what we're gonna talk about in a little bit. Yeah. So we're we're segueing as we as we go here. Um yeah, so today we're talking about habits, and I think this is a pretty good topic to be putting out right now, because 2021 is coming, yep. you know, there's lots of, there's lots of hope for the future. I see. I see yeah. a lot of hope. And 2021 is also going to bring a lot of New Year's resolutions, which mm-hmm. traditionally fail, so hopefully this will be timely. And that it'll help you to be a little bit more mindful in the way that you establish New Year's resolutions. Yeah. Do you believe in New Year's resolutions? I actually, that's a good question because I don't do New Year's resolutions. I have a good friend named Robert who he gave me a book a couple years back. I think it's called One Word. I think that's what the book is called. Um, And it basically talks about instead of a New Year's resolution, you choose one word that will define your year. And then you post it wherever. So one, one year I, I made my word, the word remarkable. And I wanted the year to be remarkable. Um, and I wrote the definition of remarkable up on my wall and on a piece of paper that I stuck to my wall. I didn't write it on the wall itself. Um, and then the entire year, I just kind of held myself to the standard of like, is this year turning out to be remarkable or not? If not, what do I need to do? And it was... Uh, it was actually, it, I really like it. I, I think it. Just choosing a word? Just choosing a word and then trying to focus on that word all yeah. year. I think I, I think you told me about that years ago and I also tried that. I forget what my word was, but I, during the year, I think it just kept I popping into my consistent. head. Yep. Yep. It was yep, just being consistent. Just consistent. One word. Yeah. And it just kept popping into my head. I think that's a good way to go about it too. And just having just different goals throughout the year. Yeah, like, it can kind of be like a master theme and then you have 
sub goals or sub themes throughout the year and then they kind of always tie back to it because it's always on your mind yeah it's interesting how it works I, you'd think that you would just forget about it by like the three days in but you don't if yeah. you do it the right way you have to kind of read the book but well if you see it if you actually write it down and see it mm-hmm. all the time it's yeah. obviously going to pop into your head yeah. environment so we will be getting into that later in the podcast yep, yep. putting it somewhere where you'll see it yeah so what whether you However you do New Year's resolutions, or if you don't do New Year's resolutions, um, I think this podcast episode will still be for you, mm-hmm. um, because habits make up our life. So if you're not living, then this is not for you. Yeah. A so. portion of our brain is designated primarily to storing habits. So Ooh. something that we need to... You have habits, whether or not you want to focus on them. It's not, you know, good or bad habits. It's just you have them, and some of them might not be as productive as you want. So yeah, we can. This will hopefully help you help you to identify those and to change them. Give you tools. Yeah. Yeah. So we also state um, in another in the podcast like these are tools. Like they're not going. You if you apply these things you're not just going to automatically be amazing at these habits. Mm-hmm. Like they're tools, they're going to raise the likeliness of you creating a new habit, a better habit, breaking old habits. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, so we're really excited about this episode. I think this is my favorite one so far. Yeah, mine too. That um, was fun. Yeah, so we hope you guys enjoy and we will get into it. Have you ever tried to establish a habit and then like failed or quit? And then what are your thoughts on that? Yes. I think everyone has. Yes, I think you're right. <laughs> um, but I think what we need to know is that when we are trying to establish a habit, we don't need to do it perfectly. Mm-hmm. So here's an analogy. And I'm going to be pulling from Atomic Habits a lot. It's a book by James Clear. And what he talks about, he uses an analogy about presidents. Mm -hmm. Like when you are running for president, you don't need everybody's vote. You don't need 100% of the votes. You just need a majority of the votes. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to habits, you're not going to do it perfectly every time. That's just not realistic. Mm -hmm. But you need a majority of your energy going towards the good habit. Yeah. Because if obviously if a majority of your votes are going towards your bad habit, like that's what's going to stick and that's what's going to persist. Mm-hmm. But if it's going towards your good habit, you're going to develop it. It's going to it's going to become easier and it's just going to become natural. Yeah. And I feel like I've experienced that where I like every time that I stop doing a a good habit where I'm like, I've gotten a groove and I go for it with, for a while. And then I like fail or just fall off the wagon. My thought process is like, oh, I, I blew it. That was my last shot. I'm, there's no way I'm going to do better next time than I did this time. But then it's like each time that I try again, like you dust yourself off. I feel like it just becomes more almost natural or like something like waking up early now even though I don't stick with it 100% of the time when I do get back on the wagon, it's just much more natural to, to get back into the habit than it was like the first time 
I tried to start waking up earlier, like back in high school. And so I think it is cumulative. If you just keep trying, it grows. The muscle builds itself. Yeah. And I think what we should avoid is messing up two times in a row. Because mm. I think when we do it, it's just going to be a lot easier when we do it twice. It's like, okay, then we'll do it a third time. Mm-hmm. It's like we're losing confidence in ourselves because we're not trusting ourselves to continue a habit. Yeah. Um, but, we, but what I'm trying to make the point is, is when you do accidentally mess up, it's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to not continue that bad habit two times yeah. or three times, you know, it just progressively gets harder to get back on track. Yeah. My, the, my EVP of sales at work always says that. He says, if you miss, don't miss twice in a row. And I think that's, that's something that it, it kind of puts a little bit of pressure on you, but at the same time, it's good to know that like, it's, it's going to be harder to get back up if you let yourself fall off two times in a row. Yeah, I um, agree. But again, I do think it, it's important to have that sort of message of hope that you said at the beginning where it's like, even if you do, it's okay because each time you get back up and try it again, you'll be better, you'll be stronger because of it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's important to remember. But through it, you are gaining confidence in yourself. Yeah. Because if you, the reason we don't have confidence in ourselves is because we say, oh, I'm going to work out in the mornings and then we don't. And then it's just downhill from there. Mm -hmm. You know, we just don't trust ourselves to make, make a decision and stick with it. Mm -hmm. But once we start actually being consistent with a good habit, Mm -hmm. we're just going to grow our confidence. Yes. The book, the speed of trust talks about that a lot. And it's by, it's either Stephen R. Covey or Stephen M. R. Covey. I think in like two podcasts ago, you said that same thing. You're like, I, I think it's this one or that one. It's just one, literally one letter different. Yeah. But um, he talks about self-trust. And he, he's like, I would, uh, when I was doing this merger, I was trying to take over this new branch of the company. And I set a goal to wake up early every morning before I started work, just to do a good workout and like, you know, make sure I got the day off to the right start because I was under a lot of pressure and that helped. And he, he said that he would just not do it. And then over time, a bunch of other things started slipping in his life because he's, he realized he had lost that self-trust where he couldn't keep his word to himself anymore. And so he just started doing this thing where he would say, whatever time I tell myself I'm going to get up at night, I have to do that. So it doesn't have to be early, but I have to do what I told myself I'd do the night before. And I think that's really important to have that self-trust like you're talking about. Yeah. So with creating good habits and breaking bad ones through preparing for this podcast and just reading about this stuff in the past, like what have you learned about creating and breaking habits? Yeah, I think probably my my go-to over the past um, several years has been Tony Robbins' personal power to cassettes. I got the cassette tapes. Um, I got them on eBay because they're way cheaper than the CDs or the, the MP3. But um, it, it's like seriously life-changing. And one of the core principles from that has just really stuck with me for since I've started getting into, in, into them. And it's a bad habit is only tolerated because you associate more pain with giving it up 
then continuing it. And so he basically, throughout the whole program and really a lot of things that Tony Robbins and a lot of these other people talk about is sort of just rewiring your brain so that you can associate, you just, re, you just unlink the things that you're associating pain to currently and you relink pleasure to them. And we'll go through steps or, or a process to do that later in the podcast. But I've found it so interesting the way that you can actually systematically do that. And it, it's, it's just so true that if you're willing to just analyze what it is that you link pain to, you realize that that is the thing keeping you from establishing a good habit. And if you can just switch it with thinking about the positives and really focusing on them in detail, then it, it, it just it literally reprograms your brain. I think that's where people go wrong with exercise mm -hmm. because it's, there's a lot of negatives that you can attach with exercise. Like mm -hmm. it's hard. It, it's exhausting, you know, like all the negatives that come with it, but we don't think about the positives. And I think we don't think about the positives because they come after the pain. Mm -hmm. Because, like, you'll have more energy when you exercise, yeah. but you have to get through the pain to get the energy. And whether you're exercising for energy or for your mental health or for, like, results with your body, like, anyway is fine. You know, people have different motives for different things, mm -hmm. but you're not going to get the positives until after the pain. Yeah. So if you rewire your mind to think more about your future self and like, oh, well, I'm going to be, I'm going to have more energy and I'm going to blah, blah, blah. You know, all the positives that go with it. Mm -hmm. It's so much more beneficial to attach those things to your habits. Yeah. And another, another point on that, that I think is really interesting. And, and this comes from David Goggins, who is possibly one of the most disciplined people on earth. Um, but hands down, one of the most disciplined people on earth, but he, he talks about your brain always has the tactical advantage against you. He was a Navy SEAL, so that's how he talks. But basically, your, your subconscious knows what you're trying to pull. So if you start thinking about all of the positive things that are going to happen if you work out, it knows what you're doing. And it will try to stop you from doing that because it knows that that means you're about to put it in discomfort. Huh. And so it, it's interesting, but it's like, if you, that's why I think we don't, even when we, when we learn these tools and like people read these books, people still fall off the wagon because it takes effort to overcome that, you know, your, your lazy subconscious mind who's telling you, no, don't think about all the positives that are going to happen if you work out, because then you're going to have to work out and that's not going to be fun or that's not going to be comfortable. Your subconscious mind is all about keeping you in kind of like a comfort, comfortable state like your your brain is designed to it's evolved over millennia to help you survive not to help you get out of your comfort get zone. in danger yeah, yeah. work out <laughs> work out dangerous but yeah it's interesting that I, i've always thought that's interesting that the way david goggins put it yeah that's interesting yeah okay so kind of speaking of getting into a little bit more of the psychology of this um what role do you think that kind of like your self-image or your identity plays in forming new habits? Because I've heard you talk about this before and I think it's interesting. So it's really important to change your identity when it comes to changing habits. 
So in the book of Atomic Habits, and when I was reading this, I think I read this in the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. I was reading a book a month, and I think this was like the first or second book that I read. And this was so interesting to me because I never thought about it this way. And um, he uses an example about someone who smokes. Mm-hmm. And they say, if someone offers them a cigarette, they say, oh, no, I'm trying to quit. Mm-hmm. So they're still identifying themselves as a smoker. Mm-hmm. And if they still identify themselves as that, it, they're not going to change. Mm-hmm. You know, they are their identity. And if their identity is a smoker, then they're going to smoke. Mm-hmm. You know, your habits aren't going to change if your identity is attached to them. So if you want good habits, you have to, one, gain the confidence and start those habits and then attach your identity to them. So when you write a page, if you want to like start writing or something and you write a page and you want to start writing more, you write a page and you are a writer, you know, and you identify yourself as a writer, you're going to continue writing more because you feel that is who you are you know does that make sense yeah i i think that i've i've made that shift mentally in the past couple of years where i've growing up i always had a lot of anxiety and i've had very low self-esteem that i could accomplish things but through some other experiences that have, we've already talked about so i won't rehash them but i started to basically it boils down to some some advice that my great uncle shared with me where he said, you know, he was dyslexic in high school back in like the forties or fifties where, you know, no one knew what it was. He focused on just learning how to do one thing at a time. And he became a draftsman, which was something that helped with architects back in the day, if I remember correctly. Um, But he became a draftsman and he actually learned how to do it. And he realized, oh, wow, I can do this. Maybe there's something else that I can do. And he started learning something new and it eventually led to, you know, very sort of decorated career in education. And he, from that conversation with him, I started to just try to get out there a little bit and just try to learn something. And then over time, I started to realize I'm really good at learning things. And that was like the thing that I always clung to. It's like, I can learn, I can teach myself anything that I want to teach myself because I'm persistent enough. And that was like the thing that I always just clung to to help me learn new things. And now I think of myself as a good learner and consequently good at growing. Yeah. There's a quote in the book and he says, it's one thing to say I'm the type of type of person who wants this. It's something very different to say I'm the type of person who is this. Mm. So it goes back to the same thing, just putting your identity in the things that you want and saying you are that thing. That's going to that's going to change everything when it comes to habits that you want to build. So, here's another quote, but it's necessary. It's okay. really good. <laughs> so, he says, "Whatever your identity is right now, you only believe it because you have proof of it." Mm. Right? So, let's just go back to the smoker analogy. You believe you're a smoker because you smoked for Years, I don't know, whoever you are, years and years or a couple months, I don't know, you're a smoker. But if you have proof that 
you're not and you've stopped, then you're just connecting a different identity to it. Yeah. And that I like, so the Iron Cowboy who ran 50 consecutive Ironman in 50 states in 50 days, um, he, one of his quotes I really like just hits on that where he says, confidence builds confidence and success builds success. And I think that if you get, if you have proof that you've overcome one thing, it, it strengthens your ability for the next thing that you want to tackle in your life to be like, well, I overcame that. So I can definitely overcome this. Or I, I at least have a smaller, a slightly higher level of confidence that I can overcome this. And then it just grows and grows. So here's another thing when it comes to habits, you don't need to jump into it full swing. You know, you don't need to just jump right off the cliff and just be that thing. That's probably a good way to fail. <laughs> good way. That's probably a really good way. So what you need to do is you need to just do 1% better than you did the day before. Mm-hmm. And that also, like, you got to have discipline when it comes to this because when you're doing 1%, you're not going to see results quickly. It's going to take a lot of time. but through all that time, you are going to see way more success and way more change than you probably thought ever could happen. Mm. You know, like it's just going to change everything if you can just make the tiniest change. And then for in a year from now and two years from now, you look back and you're like, wow, a lot has happened in that time. Yeah, that's a, that reminds me of a, a quote by Bruce Lee where he says, I fear not the man, I'm going to butcher it, but he said, I fear not the man who could do a thousand kicks I've, or 10,000 kicks. I fear the man who's done one kick 10,000 times. Mm-hmm. And so, I, and Tony Robbins talks a lot about that as well, where he says, there's like the dabblers and then there's those that seek mastery. So the dabblers are like people that they get really hyped up about starting something new or, or that new workout plan or that new diet or you know, starting a business or reading books every day or you know, whatever habit. Um, and they just like to, they almost do it for that initial excitement that comes when you start something new and you're like, you're on, you're on the road um, to, to change. And then once it gets sort of monotonous, then it's just like they jump off to some other new thing just because they want that feeling. Mm-hmm. And so when the feeling leaves, that's when you really start to to work towards mastery. And I think that's the number one thing that people don't understand about creating habits is that it's not always going to feel good and you're not supposed to make rapid progress every single day. It's just a little bit at a time. Mm-hmm. It just requires so much discipline. Yeah. And so here's two things that you should do. You should decide the type of person that you want to be. And then two, prove it to yourself with small wins every day. Yeah. And I think, I think that uh, that's why self-evaluation and self-reflection is so important because it's possible to have those small wins every day. But if you're not reflecting on them, like at the end of the day or, or writing them down or something like that, you you can get lost in the monotony of it. Like, oh, man, I didn't gain anything today. Um, and you, like, it just feels like a waste, right? It feels like you're not moving at all. But if you take time to actually focus on, okay, what were my wins today? And you, you even, I think writing them down is really helpful. But if you do that, then you, it'll 
kind of be that burning fuel to keep you moving forward. So we've been talking a lot about the mindset, like the mindset you should be in when it comes to creating new habits. So we've talked a lot about having really good discipline. On that note of the psychology of creating good habits, have you learned anything about this through sales? Yeah, I think I think that sales gives like a really good training ground for a lot of these things because sales is all about decision making. It's about influencing decision making in other people. And so you spend a lot of time studying and trying to hone in your ability to persuade someone to make certain decisions. And I was I was reading last year I read a book called Principles, which was by Ray Dalio, who I'm a huge fan of. He's the the founder and I think chief investment officer currently of Bridgewater Associates, which is the biggest hedge fund in the world. Um, so he's very, very su- successful. And he basically wrote out a book of all of the principles that have ever been helpful for him. Um, and one of the, the parts that I really liked was his part of, about habits. And he talked about sort of the, the subconscious mind and the conscious mind. And the subconscious mind is made up of, I won't go too much into the, the weeds here, but like your cerebrum. So sort of your more animalistic, um, older reptilian brain or whatever they call it. And so it's made up of like the amygdala, which controls like your feelings um, and the fight or flight mechanism. Um, so if you like the hair on the back of your neck stands up or you feel in danger and you, all of that. Um, and then the basal ganglia, which um, controls habit. Um, it's basically a part of your brain that's designed to sort of store rote things that you do over and over so that you can do them without having to think about them from your conscious mind, which is made up of your prefrontal cortex, which is sort of like where logic and reasoning happens. Um, and so in sales, you learn that you know, decisions are made on the subconscious level. So from your feelings, from your, like, if you ever say, like, I have a gut feeling about this, like you're referring to your, your um, subconscious mind. Um, And most salespeople, especially when they first start out, they try to appeal to the, the logical conscious mind. So they try to throw a bunch of facts or stats or things like that at people. And they hope that that's going to persuade them to buy. But people don't make decisions like that. And if you think back to the last time that you made a decision, what you likely did was you got really excited about it, about maybe the, uh, the thought of what it, would, what, what it would do for you or if it was a new car, you know, like the thought of you driving around in it or something like that. And then later when you bought it, you're, you started to logically sort of reassure yourself that you had made a good decision, sort of balancing out that emotional side that made you buy in the first place. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so you say like, well, yeah, it's got good mileage and and I probably didn't need a new car, but you know, it's got the warranty and and you go through all these different things. That's like your logical prefrontal cortex kicking in and being like, okay, you made a gut reaction. You probably should have thought about it more, but here, let's go through some sort of justifications for why you did it because your logical brain needs to be satisfied too. Um, So anyway, that's why in sales, there's a common saying that it's not so much what you say as how you say it. Um, Because as a salesperson, if you can get someone to feel feelings of excitement or certainty 
that this product or service is going to give them something that, that they feel they need, then that's much more important for getting a sale than the logical aspects. I mean, then a really good salesperson will bring, will tie back in the logic at the end of it. And they'll say, and you know, you're really going to be making a really smart decision because it's going to come with a warranty or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, not to make it too long, but the, the thing that I liked about, so in principles in Ray Dalio's book, he talks about kind of the, the subconscious mind obviously will do whatever feels best. So when you're, when you're trying to form a habit, your conscious mind is essentially trying to sell your subconscious mind on forming the habit. And he had a really good quote about that, um, that I think just, it, it's really stuck with me for, I don't know, the, since the year or so that I heard it, but he says, he quote, used to think that the upper level you, meaning conscious, logical mind, needed to fight with the lower level you to gain control. But over time, I've learned that it is more effective to train that subconscious emotional you the same way you would teach a child to behave the way you would like him or her to behave, with loving kindness and persistence so that the right habits are acquired. Hmm. End quote. So like, I, I have implemented that since I learned it. And I feel like most of my life, as far as when it came to habits, I was always just trying to like put my subconscious mind in a headlock and just like strong arm it into doing what I wanted it to do. And I think anyone that's ever tried that approach has been frustrated and given up on trying to form a habit. But if you treat your subconscious mind from your logical perspective as like just patient, like, okay, you didn't get it this time, but that's okay. Let's try it again. Let's dust ourselves off. And you're like sort of a cheerleader for it. Yeah. It's having good self-talk. Yeah. It's, it's weird, but it works. Like you're literally picking your subconscious mind back up off and dusting them off and be like, you know what? Let's go at it again. You're doing, you're doing really well. And you're like coaching it through. And I've seen a huge difference in the way that I approach discipline and habit forming um, and habit breaking since I've started thinking of it that way. Yeah. And it, it also comes back to having a positive mindset. Mm -hmm. Like when you're negative and frustrated and beat down, like you're obviously not going to accomplish as much, you know? So having that good self-talk and just being kinder to to yourself, it's going to take you the extra mile for sure. Yeah. And it's going to affect that self-image like you were talking about earlier. Yeah. The whole confidence and yeah, it all just ties together, you know, yeah. just like being positive and, you know, building your confidence in one step at a time. And, you know, it's, it all sounds, it, it seems really hard because I know we've all tried to do something and have failed at it, mm-hmm. but really like, it's just these little tiny things that you have to implement that are just going to change everything in the long run. Mm-hmm. So I agree. That's interesting. Yeah, it's a, I love that quote. Um, okay, and, you know, is, I guess before we transition on to sort of actionable solutions, is there anything else that you've learned about, like, the mindset of um, creating good habits that you want to share before we move on? So I think we need to realize that we are very visual people. Mm. So what comes with our visual 
is our environment. And if we have an environment that is surrounded by bad habits, like what do you think we're going to do? Yeah. You know, we're going to we're going to fall into those bad habits. So if we change what we are seeing in our environment, mm-hmm. whether that's just taking the bad habits out, making them invisible, but also bringing the good habits in. Mm. So what you the goal should be is to make bad habits invisible and to make good habits attractive. Mm. So there's so many there's so many different habits that you can acquire. But um for example, um drinking water. Mm-hmm. This one for me is so bad. I'm so bad at drinking water. And every time I stand up, I just am going to pass out. Um, but That's true. That's, if you think she's exaggerating, that's 100% true. Like, he'll just see me just standing there, just blank-faced. Have you seen me doing that? Yeah, many times. And I'm, It's alarming. And I'm just, like, standing there because, like, I literally can't see anything. <laughs> and... Then I come out of it. I'm like, oh, wow, I need to drink some water. <laughs> it's a good reminder. Um, but that's not what how I should be living. Um, but with this, what we should be doing or what I should be doing is I should be setting water glasses out for myself, like everywhere around my house, you know? So that habit, I, I see it everywhere mm-hmm. and I'm more likely to do it. And here's the thing, all of these examples that we're giving and all these tools we're giving, they're not a hundred percent like you're gonna gain this habit if you do this. Yeah. That's not what we're stating. Mm-hmm. It's gonna make it easier. It's not gonna make it it's not foolproof, but it's gonna make it easier for you. Yeah. And like we talked about earlier, each time you fall down, know that when you get back up, you'll be that much closer to establishing the habit permanently. Yeah. So yeah, our visual um, is huge. Creating an environment is huge. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a quote that I want to read, and it's from Atomic Habits. Be the designer of your world and not merely the consumer of it. So don't be controlled by your environment. You control your environment. So make it how you want it to be. Make it to where you will make good decisions and feel good in your environment. Something that I've done along those lines is deleting Facebook off of my phone, the app. Yeah. Because I was just going on it and getting depressed by all the political rants. And now I don't even think about Facebook because it's not visible when I open my phone. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way of doing it too. That's one habit that you can break. Okay, so there's one more thing that I want to add to this is that scientists, when they analyzed people who have really good self-control, it turned out that they were just like everyone else. They were just the same as people who are struggling. Instead, disciplined people are better at structuring their lives in a way that does not require heroic willpower and self-control. In other words, they spend less time in tempting situations. Mm. Right? So... Yeah. Having discipline doesn't necessarily require much more effort than just changing your environment. You know, if you're not in a tempting situation, obviously it's not going to be as tempting to follow that bad habit again. Yeah. 
you just don't bring junk food into the house, yeah. it's a lot easier to stop eating junk food. Well, I feel like ever since we got married, I was like, I, I don't buy candy. Mm-hmm. I don't, like, I get some cinnamon rolls for Sunday and I, you know, like, I just don't get things that are tempting. And some weeks I'm like, like I kind of need that. But I don't, I, when I go grocery shopping, I don't go down those aisles most of the time. I don't go down the chip aisle. Like I want, I want cheddar, cheddar lays, wrinkled chips, you know, like I want those, but I'm not going to go down those aisles and I'm not going to think about that because I didn't see it. Yeah. Like when I go home or when we go home to Oregon, I always eat way more junk food because I know where my mom hides it when we're visiting. <laughs> Is it really hidden? It's not hidden. She not confessed hidden. to me last time that knowing that we were coming, she stocked up on chocolate. Oh. She's such an enabler. But she's also so nice. Yeah. I appreciate it very much. But but that's not bad to not eat bad junk food. Because I'm just eating it while I'm there and yeah. then I don't eat much. Come back to come your back. wife who just deprives you of just deprives me of all sweets. Sweet. Yeah. I think it's a little bit easier because, like, I don't gravitate to sweets. Like, I gravitate That's to true. chips and, like, salty stuff. That's true. So, you kind of got the wrong end of the stick when you married me because I'm not tempted by probably good. sugar. It's good. But it doesn't mean salt's any better. Yeah. Especially when I'm dehydrated. Well, I've, got some, I've got some things to change. All of that being said, we focused on changing our mindset and learning about what kind of mindset we should be in. Mm -hmm. But we haven't really talked about like actual actions Mm -hmm. that we can take. I think we touched on some. Yeah. But um, let's kind of dive more into specific actions when it comes to creating habits. Yeah. So the first one that comes to mind for me is, like I mentioned earlier, so Tony Robbins, um, unlinking things that you currently link pain to and relinking pleasure to them. Um, and so the way that he does this is, is, uh, it's very simple and I found it to be really effective, but again, my subconscious mind always has the tactical advantage and it tries to stop me from going through this process because it knows it's going to result in me changing a bad habit for a good one. But when I do it, I do much better at, at sticking with the things that I want to stick with. So I, I don't know what he calls it, but I call it the, the pain pleasure cycle. Um, and essentially what what it is, is you take something that you're currently doing that you want to stop doing or something that you're not doing that you want to start doing. You write it out and then you write all of the pain that you associate with, let's say, a bad habit, with stopping that bad habit. You write out in detail everything that you could think of that you associate pain with that. And then you, you write down all of the things that bring you pleasure about that thing. So the bad thing that you're doing, all the pleasure that, that it gives you. And then you write down all of the pain that you will experience if you don't stop it in great detail. And, and the whole key of it is to like write it out in detail. And you write out everything that you can think of for what's going to be the pain that's going to happen if you don't stop it. And this is similar to Tim Ferriss's, um fear setting that we went over. But after that, then you write down all of the pleasure that you'll get when you do break it. In, but it has to be like a ton of detail. And if you go into just fill up an entire page with all four of those things. So same again, like all four of them just simplified. First, 
all the pain that you associate with stopping the bad habit. Okay. Second, all the pleasure that you get from indulging the bad habit. Third, all of the pain that you will get if you don't stop the bad habit. Fourth, all of the pleasure that you will get when you do stop the bad habit. So you're ending on kind of the positives. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's really interesting to, to watch your mind change as you do it. And you really have to be convinced of the things that you're writing down. You can't just write down fluff things. But when you write down things that you actually believe, like, this is painful. Like, this will be painful if I don't stop it. And I believe that. Then you'll just sort of, you can, like, watch your mind change before your, before your eyes. And you'll have a different outlook on it by the time you're done. Yeah, that's a good process to go through. It's great. Because it, it's kind of like the fear thing again. Mm-hmm. Um, just visualizing what it is, what your habit is and how it's affecting you. Because I think when we have a habit, we don't really think a bad habit. We don't really think farther than that. And we're just like, we kind of just indulge in it and just go about it, our lives. But if we actually like, whether it's writing out or saying out loud that all of the, the bad things about it and why we need to stop it, it's going to just make it way more powerful to be like to change mm-hmm. like this this needs to stop yeah yeah it, it's crazy how how well it works and you it is hard to keep doing it because again your mind your subconscious mind doesn't want you to but when you do it you'll you'll be surprised at the result yeah I was or i am every time i do so it. you did it i've done it m- many times can you give an example of um waking up early has always been like the hardest thing and so like I, before I go to bed, I'll write down, and I don't do this every night, but when I feel like I need to kind of refocus on why, on the, you know, the important reasons why I want to wake up early, um, I'll just write down like, okay, what's, what's the, the thing that's, that I associate pain with waking up early? It's like, okay, well, first thing that comes to mind is I'm going to be tired during the day and I hate feeling tired. Um, and then what's the, the pleasure that I get from sleeping in while I get to sleep longer. But is that really pleasurable? Because I'm just going to feel like garbage when I wake up and I don't have a bunch of time to get ready for, you know, work or whatever. Um, And then going into like, what's the pain that will happen if I don't do it? Like I won't be able to get in like a good scripture study. I won't get in a workout. I won't feel like I'm, I conquered my first battle of the day. And so I'll go into the day with like a negative attitude, right. Or or like a low self-esteem. And then the pleasure that I get for when I will, when I do it is I'm going to have more time. Like I'm going to have extra time in the morning to focus on the things that I want to focus on and make sure I get my day off to a good start. And then I always have a better day. And so like just going through that process, it really, it's simple. It can be short and quick, but going into your, going into your day with more time, more confidence, more energy. Yeah. Like how are those things not good for you? Yeah. To but start you your don't day. think about it because we as humans are not good about thinking about the cost of inaction because our, we're ruled by our subconscious brains unless we, our conscious mind takes the wheel, right? And so mm-hmm. if we don't, like we don't want to think about it because we are always just more concerned about, well, what are the negative consequences if I do take that leap? And we're really good at that. Like, stopping ourselves from doing something we know we should do because we're like oh but what if this happened or what if this happened 
Like our, our brains are designed to keep us from taking that leap. But if we work on that muscle of the other side of it, then that's when we start to get really good at building habits. I mean, kind of speaking of that, so you told me about habit stacking from Atomic Habits. Um, so what, what is, is that? Yeah, what is that and, and why, how has it been helpful to you? Yeah, so habit stacking, the thing is we have habits mm-hmm. that we know we're going to do. So it's pretty self-explanatory. Like you take the habit that you know you're going to do and you add on, like right after you do that habit, you add on the habit that you want to do. Mm-hmm. So for example, for me, and I'm going to be better at it, I'm going to implement this habit into my life. Right after washing my face, I will fill up a glass of water and set it on my bedside table. At so night you're talking about at night. Okay. So I'm kind of doing like a future prep okay. for, so like I'll drink water in the morning. Uh-huh. Um, but another example of it is, um, yeah, that last example kind of, it prepped me for the environment that I need to drink more water. Okay setting out the glass. Mm -hmm. Um, But another example of habit stacking is right when I put Remy to bed, I'm going to put on my workout shoes and do a workout Mm -hmm. immediately after. Like there's no thought. I just do it right after. So putting Remy to bed is the natural habit. Yeah. Obviously I'm going to put him to bed. Yeah. And right after that, I'm going to put on my shoes. Okay. So it, it just starts the new habit and hopefully continues it, you know? So, you know, you're going to do things, add on the thing that you want to do. Or the thing that triggers you to do the thing that you want to do. Yeah. So okay. the habit that you already have will be the trigger for your new habit. Okay. Yeah. So that's habit stacking. Um, but there's another one called temptation bundling. So this is doing the thing you want to do stacked with the thing you need to do. Okay. And these are just these are just different formulas to help like we said trigger a new habit. Uh-huh. So with this one with temptation bundling in the atomic habits he gives the example about watching Netflix and riding on a stationary bike. Okay. So like you know you're going to watch Netflix. Yeah. So why not add on something else that you need to do? Uh-huh. It or you want to do. Mm-hmm. Well, you want to watch Netflix. You need to ride the stationary bike. You don't need to ride the stationary bike, but you want to. Yeah. You get me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I know what you're saying. Yeah. So that's just an example, but find a habit that you know you're going to do and then add something to it if it's possible. You know, so take the example of Netflix. I We watch Netflix all the time. Mm-hmm. So... Sometimes I actually work out while we watch Netflix or write out my grocery list and meal prep for the week while we watch Netflix, you know, like you can just add on to your existing habits, basically. Some things are harder to multitask. Yeah, that's the thing. You got to be specific about it. Yeah. Or, you know. I'm sure you'll find a balance of things that work well together. Yeah. (laughs) But I don't know, just like figure out. I can't think of any other examples, but so that's just one tool to help you. Okay. So before we wrap up, um, 
we've given some good actionable solutions. We've talked about mindset, but any last things you want to throw in before we yes. close? Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so last thing I want to add is you have to be specific with how you're going to accomplish this habit. Yeah. You are way more likely to do this habit if you are specific. Mm-hmm. So here's a formula for you. I will. So I, and one more thing, you have to say it out loud. Yeah. Okay. That's two things. Be specific. And say it, it out loud. Down, write it down. Yeah. Say it out loud. Be specific. Write it down. Say it out loud. Okay. So I'll try and be clear with this. So out loud, you will say, written down, you, you will write, I will insert behavior at insert time in insert location. Okay. So example, I will drink water at 7 a.m. in my bedroom because it's going to be on my nightstand. (laughs) Okay. So that is being specific. You're saying it out loud. You're writing it down. You're way more likely to accomplish that habit Mm -hmm. with those tools. Yeah. I think that comes back to self-trust where it's like, if you don't say it, then you can kind of be like, oh, I didn't, I don't know if I really committed to doing that. So maybe I'll just take the day off or maybe I'll just start tomorrow. But if you're like, you said it out loud, you have to do it if you want to maintain your self-trust. Yeah. And if you like, you have to maintain your self-trust if you want to be able to accomplish anything that you say you're going to do. Right. So like, keep your word to yourself. Yeah. And maybe that should be our challenge for today. Just really simple. Think of a habit that you've been wanting to add into your daily routine or just just in your daily life, in your life, blah, blah, blah. Write down this phrase and put in your behavior, the time you're going to do it, and the location you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Okay? So that's your, that's your challenge. Yeah, well, we're going to end on that note. I hope you guys take valuable information from these podcasts like we are not the experts we are just sharing what we're learning and it's helped us mm-hmm. and is also turning into reminders for us because we yeah. are we're constantly going through and studying these things over again yeah and i think that's how i think that's the best way to improve because yeah. we're forgetful people by nature you know and it's just revisiting these ideas yeah. is what's going to impact your life. Yeah. One of my favorite sayings, learning is remembering. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on, on that note, hope you guys took a lot from this podcast and we will see you guys on the next episode.